Hey, Christy. Yes, darling? So our life is pretty good, right? I mean, we're doing pretty well. Hard to complain, I guess. We're generally healthy, happy, good friends and such. Why? Well, I kind of wondered if life could be better somehow. Oh, okay. How do you mean? You want to do something or make a plan to make our life better? What? No. I want to use this dimensional door I've got to peek into the Ultimate Universe and see how our Earth 1610 counterparts are doing. Huh. I never would have guessed that one. Well, do you want to take a peek, just for a sec? I don't know. Don't you think it's a bad idea to see if the grass is greener? We're we're happy right now. Yeah, but what if we have, like, a way better garden than them or something? All right. Let's have a look. Christy, I'm home from my job studying epigenetics. What a valuable day. Epigenetics? That's the future. Oh, it's great to see you. I'm just about done wrapping up today's Magic the Gathering stream. Gotta fund my next journey to yet another Pro Tour win, huh? What? She's a pro magic streamer? Oh, oh no, we shouldn't have watched this. All right, I'll be certain to home make some beef wellington for dinner, and then we can have a late night at the cinema. <laughs> that sounds absolutely lovely, darling. I had a question. One of the viewers today asked me what my favorite comic book was, and I had no idea what they were talking about. Do you know what that is? Not the faintest idea. All right, clearly we're better. Yep, no question. We never have to worry about that one again. Some ultimate universe. More like ultimate universe. Not your best work, dear. I'll workshop it. Well, unlike these supposedly cool people from another universe, are you ready to talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our episode covering Spider-Men. Yep, it is it's the 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 crossover where they changed one letter. Mm-hmm. And you know, speaking of changes. Oh yeah? I've had a change. Oh, you've had a change? I've had a change. Readers, I'm trying my darndest. But uh, I have adult braces right now, so uh, there's just a little bit of a lisp. I like that you call them adult braces. I think they're, they're the same braces that they would give to kids these days. They're very adult. They are invisible, which means I look still mostly like an adult. <laughs> adult braces. <laughs> they don't have they don't have characters on them. I mean, yeah. Although it would have been cool to, like, I always thought when people picked fun rubber band colors, mm -hmm. that that was that was pretty fun. Like, I, I wouldn't want that on my teeth, but I was like, that's kind of like an upside. I would do them for holidays. So around Valentine's Day, I had white and red, mm -hmm. and it freaked my parents out once because I smiled at them and my mom thought I was, like, bleeding everywhere <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, so I never had those fun experiences as a kid and and now I'm I'm just I'm just breaking into adult braces. Adult braces. Braces after dark. Braces after dark. 
If you're 20 on and over, try adult braces. Take the load off. (laughs) But I'm excited to talk about about Spider-Men, considering we have so much Spider-Men in our in our household. Oh, we do. We are we are a real Spider-Man family. We sure are. <laughs> We've seen into the Spider-Verse so many times. I'd say at least 50 at this point. Yes, definitely. And our youngest son has a favorite pair of pajamas that is basically uh the Spider-Man outfit. Mhm. He's very excited and he will tell you Spider-Man is clean. <laughs> when the Spider-Man pajamas are clean, he's very excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, we have a patron to thank for this episode, don't we? So the uh, person who requested this Patreon episode is Greg Packnett. Thank you, Greg. Ah, uh, thank you, Greg. Uh, and if you want an episode or a series, you can support us at the five dollar level for a series of months. Uh, and then we will absolutely positively do your crossover. Greg, I, I'm thrilled that Greg picked this. It is a nice one and done. But it's well, not one issue. No, it's, it's it's one episode of our yeah, podcast. That's true. It's one episode of our podcast. It's not one issue. It's five issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were, they were five fun issues. Are we ready to summarize them? Yes. Summary. Spider-Men, numbers one through five, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled and inked by Sarah Pacelli, colored by Justin Ponzer, lettered by Corey Pettit, edited by Mark Panizia, Sana Aminat, and John Moisen. Issue one. After thwarting some garden-variety armed robbery, Peter Parker, the amazing Spider-Man, sees a purple glow in the sky, leading him to investigate its source, a lab maintained by none other than Mysterio. Mysterio catches him snooping around and decides it's time to tussle. Spidey easily subdues him just outside of the strange purple field. But as Mysterio attempts to shoot him, Spidey accidentally jumps in and finds himself outside in the daylight. Very strange, considering it was nighttime. Spider-Man finds himself pretty disoriented, thwarting yet another robbery, only for the victim to tell Spidey that the costume seems in pretty poor taste considering it was Peter Parker's. They know who he is? Spider-Man, shocked, thwips away only to run into another Spider-Man? It's Miles, of course, but it's very shocking. Issue 2. Mysterio wakes up to find that Spider-Man is gone, and he sends a VR-controlled avatar to make sure Peter is never heard from again. (gasps) Peter and Miles chat somewhat antagonistically, especially from Peter, because Miles seems to know who he is. Peter tries to figure out if Miles is a clone, and they fight a bit. Very silly, I think, as Peter attacks Miles to try to get answers. Miles shows off his spider abilities, including his venom blast and camouflage, before Peter yanks off Miles' mask. Miles responds with a venom blast that knocks out Peter, and Miles barely saves them both from hitting the ground, with the poor kid wondering what the heck he's gonna do. Peter awakens in S.H.I.E.L.D. custody with Ultimate Nick Fury asking him if he's Peter Parker. Peter seems to figure out he's in another dimension— And Nick asks Miles to show him what happened to this Dimensions Peter, since there's no way Peter would make up the Dimension story. 
They take off in a helicopter, but before anything else can happen, they are blown out of the sky by a bazooka-toting Mysterio avatar. Issue 3. The Spider-Men try to figure out who the strange robotic figure is as they're fighting, with Peter figuring out it's an extension of Mysterio. So because it's Mysterio, cue the illusions. The Spider-Men are fighting with tons of illusions of their foes, but they seem to pack an actual wallop. Miles doesn't cope well against the phantasmagoric foes, but Peter figures out the illusions are enhanced by chemicals and throws the source, a necklace on the avatar, into the river. Mysterio self-destructs the robot, which knocks Miles out cold. Miles awakes to Nick Fury and the Ultimates investigating the scene where Tony Stark figures out the Avatar robot is controlled from afar, and he plans to find out the source. Meanwhile, Peter is gone. Peter wants to make sure this universe is real and tries to go where his apartment should be. He finds a bodega instead, and after quickly preventing yet another robbery, asks the store clerk to borrow her tablet, where he discovers that the Peter Parker of Earth-1610 is dead. He doesn't take this well and asks the clerk exactly what happened. Which leads him to the for-sale home of Peter Parker, where he finds Aunt May and Gwen Stacy, who look at him in shock as he removes his mask. Issue number four. Gwen and May greet Peter by beating him up because they think he's someone messing with them after their Peter's death. Miles arrives and explains that it's actually Peter, and Aunt May passes out. Back at the Triskelion, Tony Stark and Nick Fury discuss finding the source of the portal, and Tony asks Nick why he let Peter go, and clearly Nick feels guilty about some broken promises to the deceased version of Peter. Gwen calls MJ, telling her she has to come over, and then she, Miles, and Peter chat about differences between their worlds. Aunt May wakes up, but doesn't really seem to believe this is an alternate Peter until they talk about Ben and power and responsibility, of course. Nick Fury shows up to pick them up just as MJ arrives, and she sees Peter and flees. And back at the Triskelion, Iron Man is trying to triangulate the signal, but Miles figures out where it's from from videos that Mysterio has been posting to the internet. The Spider-Man and the Ultimates fly to find him. Issue 5. Mysterio villain monologues thrilled that he trapped Spider-Man in Earth-1610 when suddenly webs shoot out of his portal and yank him through, leaving him face to face with the Spider-Men and the Ultimates. Before Peter can go through the portal, Mysterio sets a bunch of bombs off in the building and then deploys his illusionary chemicals. This incapacitates basically everyone, and Mysterio runs for the portal, but Miles tackles him into the 616. He is astonished by the other world, but quickly comes to his senses and tussles with Mysterio, tackling him back into the 1610. Both Spider-Men deliver some serious blows to Mysterio, and the Ultimates decide to arrest him and keep him in Earth-1610. That seems pretty heinous to me. Iron Man takes a reading and finds that the gateway is unstable, so Spider-Man delivers some light-hearted last-minute advice to Miles, giving him his blessing before poofing back home. Life returns to normal for both our Spider-Men until Peter decides to Google Miles Morales on his world and finds something shocking. (music) 
I just realized um, at the end of that summary that that would seem to imply that he is the shocker in our world, who is an actual Spider-Man villain, or possibly Electro, who is yet another Spider-Man villain who kind of has that theme, but neither of which is actually true. Yeah. Uh, is Miles's Venom strike, is that electric in nature? I th- I think, and if not, it always seems to like look electric. Right, right. So, I mean, it, it could just be Miles. It could. If, it, it, if it's shocking. It's not, but yeah. Shocking. Sharking. Baby. <laughs> nope, not doing it. Not doing it, but everybody's everybody's doing it now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's turned this it's off. In your head. It's ruined their day. It's in your head. <laughs> so what did you think of this of this little this little crossover? Um, it was fun. It was a very quick read, mm-hmm. uh, and we had some fun, very Spider-Man dialogue and some nice character beats with Peter and Aunt May and Gwen, and just that whole dynamic there was kind of fun, and just the the, the meeting of two different worlds is always kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I feel like Mysterio was actually just kind of the background plot of this story, whereas the main thing was just like, let's see what happens when everybody meets. It definitely seems like, so for a little background, mm-hmm. Brian Michael Bendis wrote Ultimate Spider-Man, which mm-hmm. is the Ultimate Universe Spider-Man. Starts with Peter Parker, goes for a long time that Peter Parker dies, Miles takes over. Mm-hmm. That was like te- 10 years. It was like a huge, long amount of time. Right. He didn't write a lot of Spider-Man from 616, except in New Avengers, because Spider-Man was part of that team. hmm But I feel like it kind of was just, like, him wanting to write those dialogue bits. <sighs> Sorry. I feel like it was just him wanting to write those dialogue bits and then decided to have to put punching in with it. Yeah, I mean, there had to be some sort of conflict to the narrative. Right. I mean, I guess the conflict could have been how to get Peter home, but how would he have gotten there in the first place? So I, Mysterio was just a convenient villain for this plot. It is funny to me, though, that in this instance, Bendis decides that there needs to be, like, lots of weird little inconsequential conflicts. Like, Spider-Man thwarts so many robberies in this. Like, he probably doesn't really need to. Yeah, he stops a mugging. Mm-hmm. He stops the robbery at the bodega. Mm-hmm. He stops like it was like some armed gun gun robbing gun rob some armed gum robbery. <laughs> yeah, and that's that was the mugging, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just making. I I, I was tripping over my own words, and I said armed gum. Oh, <laughs> I mean, armed gum would be pretty scary. Just imagining some uh, double mint with two guns. Ah, oh, double your pleasure. <laughs> Double your gun. Double your gun. <laughs> you know, I've had a lot of double mint gum, but I don't know if like pleasurable is really the. <laughs> it's like you know, it's fine. <laughs> double the feeling of this gum being just all right. Double the Spider Man. There is double the Spider Man in this story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in general, like it is very light, kind of like popcorny. I say that it like it, it is some 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 nice sit down conversations, but I don't know they go pretty quick. I was a little I th- I think I'd read this before, but the one thing I was kind of disappointed with was I wanted more Miles and Peter moments. Right. I could have used less Peter of one world re like hanging out with the Gwen and and May of this world. 
Yeah. I don't mind that, but it's like... Right. That may is not super, super different than, like, other maze. Right. So, instead of... Instead of a Spider-Man meets Spider-Man story, it's kind of like a Spider-Man meets 1610 story. Yes. I do imagine at some point there was, like, a big Marvel retreat and, like... Brian Michael Bendis just walks up to the whiteboard and he writes Spider-Man and then everybody looks and they're like, sure, Brian, you've been writing, you've been writing this for years. We understand. And then he like grabs a dry eraser and like tries to make eye contact with everybody and like takes out the A and then writes the E and then everybody's like, (gasps) (laughs) that's all I can imagine is that. Is that he did that? And yeah, people just, people just started started hooting and hollering and like falling out of their chair. <laughs> Somebody did the like face melting thing. <laughs> the fire alarm You're starts going off. These marble retreats of just like full of hype men, <laughs> basically. Somebody throws all their notes because they they realize that nothing's as good as this. Let's let's, let's just be honest. All of marble is Bendis's hype men. <laughs> Was he doesn't work there anymore? Was. Yeah, it's gone over to DC. Yeah, well, the, the the Bendis the Bendis era was was full of boy. It was it was kind of just like the all right. B- Bendis was kind of like like the soccer player that you were supposed to pass the ball to. All right, now our our, our strategy <laughs> is pass the ball to Bendis. All right, Mark. <laughs> if they come at you with the ball, and you get the ball, what do you do next? You pass it to Brian. Pass it to Brian. <laughs> Pass it to Brian. <laughs> yeah. If you've got a shot on the goal and the goal's wide open. Pass to Brian. <laughs> what are you going to do? You Pass it to Brian. You passed to Brian. <laughs> Boy, that Brian Michael Bendis just turned <laughs> off our podcast. <laughs> but so this team, Sarah Pacelli and Brian Michael Bendis, created Miles. Mm-hmm. For, like he showed up at, at the first time. And I think at this point, he's not good at web shooting yet. And I think feel like there's... Or like several moments where he's like pretty bad at it. Like he 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 doesn't use his own web shooters early on. He has to like hit Peters. Mm-hmm. He eventually he I thought early on he got them from May and Gwen. So I'm a little confused about this continuity. I've read a lot of Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever finished it, and I read a lot of the Miles stuff. It was good, but like sometimes I feel like Brian Brian Michael Bendis cannot like finish anything. He just like has to, he just kind of keeps the thing moving, but like you, you don't know where it's going. And then it turns out like, oh, this kind of didn't, kind of didn't do anything. Uh, most of his ultimate Spider-Man run is not that way, but I, I just kind of feel like that was kind of the case with, with the Miles stuff. And this is like my favorite era of Sarah Pacelli. Recently, some of her art has like not done it for me, but this was like when I absolutely loved Sarah Pacelli. I thought she was great. Okay. So. Were you just saying that the Miles stuff you felt didn't really have a clear ending or end game to it, or like this event specifically? Oh, just just Miles's stuff, which okay. is also why I, I was like confused about the continuity. And it, it's hard for me to remember the continuity because because it's a different universe than like main continuity. It is, but even like I read all that stuff, and I'm just it it just I it mean, never seemed to go a lot of places. To be fair, it seemed like Bendis had a tough time remembering the continuity. I was really excited on the realtor sign that it saw. I said like the realtor was Allison Blair, which you oh, know Dazzler. Is, is Dazzler. Yeah, but Dazzler had already appeared in the Ultimate Universe, like as like a musician, as as she does, and she died. 
Good job, Mark Benizia, for just completely missing that one. That's funny. There's a lot of Ultimate Universe stuff like that, though. Like, there's this whole deal where Iron Man does a thing, and then they, like, he has this whole story, sorry. And then they just, like, act like later it didn't happen. And, like, they don't even try. (laughs) You know, there could be another Alison Blair. (laughs) It's just incidentally the same name. (laughs) They call up her agency, and they're like, are you Dazzler? And she's like, oh my god, no. I If I had to, to say the difference, like, so Gwen Stacy is very different in this. Mm. She's a little bit more of like a, like a kind of like punk child. She, yeah, she, she lives with the personality. Parkers. She does have a, per- yeah. So I've, <laughs> I've read some of that early Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy's personality is, is, is girl. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was that recent mini about Gwen Stacy and trying to give like her before story and like flesh out her character but still be true to the personality that she had. Of like wet cardboard. Yeah. Yep. Didn't didn't really do it. Really hard to dress up wet cardboard. I think most people remember uh, about Gwen Stacy that the Green Goblin killed her and she had some cool outfits which is unfortunate. (laughs) But this, yeah, this Gwen's very different and she lives with the Parkers and she and Peter don't date. They are just best friends. Yeah. It turns out if you don't date Peter, you don't die. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but Mary Jane did date him and then had to deal with him dying. And she's like barely in this because she sees Peter and like freaks out and we it's never resolved. That's the last we see of it. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. How do you just drop that thread? I don't know. They really just wanted to focus on like the May stuff, I think. I think this May is a little bit different in that she's kind of like she reminds me of like the May from the movie, mm-hmm. whereas like Aunt May in six one six is very much like this like, and th- this changes over time. But for a while, she was just kind of like frail old lady that Peter had to worry about. Right? Yeah. Uh, this in sixteen ten, kind of not the case. Mm-hmm. She seemed like she could handle her her stuff. Like when she thought Peter, when he showed up, was just someone there to harass him. Like she was gonna deal with it. <laughs> she did like smack him. Mm-hmm. Boy. That was not frail woman behavior. Uh, Not to relate this too much to Into the Spider-Verse, but I'm gonna. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. I think that the scene where they show up and Peter's like, I'm not ready for this, and they have to, like, ring her doorbell Mm -hmm. was, like, a big moment. But I think what the movie did better is... So in the Ultimate Universe and Into the Spider-Verse, she had lost her, 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 her nephew. And Mm -hmm. that Peter Parker, who was, like, late 30s, had lost his aunt. Yes. So they had this, like, reconnect. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, in Spider-Men, Peter is, like, is, like, tearful at seeing... I guess Gwen Gwen makes sense, because Gwen is... Gwen was, like, very dead in 616. Right. Like, tearfully seeing a version of his aunt, I guess, but, like, his aunt's still alive. Oh, Yeah. I think I th- I think the movie kind of ratcheted it up a little bit better. Like I was a little confused. I mean, the movie managed to do a lot of things that this didn't do. I mean, the movie our protagonist, our main character is Miles and the focus is that relationship that you wanted to see more of, the Miles and Peter. Yes. And this the I would I w- I was expecting like a little more mentorship. As opposed to them just kind of like being slightly antagonistic for a little bit. They don't really have a big conversation 
after that to like the very end, and it seems like really rushed. Yeah, yeah. Peter doesn't meet Miles's family or like anybody else. It is very much like a Peter-focused story. And I would have, I think if we would have shifted that and made it a Miles focused story. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine if, if instead at the beginning we had Miles doing something and Peter just sort of appeared. Yeah. I almost wonder if that would have been more interesting. Now, granted, we probably wouldn't have gotten a big Mysterio thing, but even if it was just like Miles does that and then we have like a very short scene with Peter. But it's also like the. What we're just saying is the movie is better than the book, guys. <laughs> well, I don't want to like. I think it's just different, but it, it's hard for me to not compare. Right, it is. I and a, a lot of that is 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 Brian Michael Bendis does these decompressed stories where I feel like he maybe could have used the space a little bit better. I mean, it is. It's a really fast read. There's not a ton to dive into. It's very. It's just very quick. I like the art, and I feel like he, sometimes he allows like artists to breathe in a cool way where it really feels like visual storytelling mm-hmm. so i enjoyed that but it was just these like sometimes you would have a page that was like basically one thing happening like walking in like searching a room mm-hmm. boom one page and i don't mind a decompressed story you just after thinking about how much more it could be doing mm-hmm. like i think you sense that space more whereas if we didn't have that movie comparison and the thought of how much further that this interaction could go mm-hmm. i don't I don't know that we'd feel that space the same way. Right. And there was like a big, there was a big focus on several conversations with members of the Ultimates, who's like the Avengers of the Ultimate Universe. Right. It, it was just strange who they chose to focus on. Yeah. I'm like, okay, we got some Tony Stark. Great. Yeah. This, the Tony Stark of the Ultimate Universe is like an even sleazier version of our Tony Stark. Yeah. Cause we all need that. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Bennis eventually writes Tony and he makes him just kind of slightly lighter hearted, but it is not unlike this version where mm-hmm. he's like kind of, kind of like mischievous and wanting to mess with things. I'm, I'm never going to be able to think of the Avengers and not think about that awful Christmas story where they all try and get Jess to kiss them under the mistletoe. This is an Avenger story. I can't remember if it was what, what holiday special it was in. It was gross, though. So. When did you read that? I don't remember the story at all. I don't know. <laughs> Sometime. There was a time, and I read it. I tweeted about it, which is why I remember that I read it. Oh, yes. Tweeting helps with the memory, of course. It does. Mm-hmm. I, I have to stop and and process and and communicate what I just read. Yes. I also think that the ultimate showing up meant that this the, the stakes felt a little bit, like, ratcheted down. Like, how is Mysterio going to beat Thor? <laughs> right. Like, I don't feel like there was an, ever a moment that you were worried that Peter was going to be trapped. Yeah, not a whole lot. It, like, it is a very light, low-stakes story. Mm-hmm. And plus, it's like Mysterio. I feel like Mysterio's like a real jobber. I love him. That guy most of the time wears a fishbowl. I know. He did not wear a fishbowl. He held it. Or no, Peter held it, and uh, Mysterio didn't even wear it. Upsetting. It's like they wanted to be cool, and I'm like, no, you cannot be cool with this man. <laughs> Instead, he makes like a cool avatar robot, which also doesn't have a fishbowl head. Right? I'm just saying, I think we could have used some fishbowl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe the fishbowl interfered with the cross-dimensional communication. I, d- I don't know. 
I think that those two Mysterios were just two lost souls living in a fishbowl year after year. That that's the problem. They weren't living in their fishbowls. <laughs> they were not. I did like the design of the Avatar one with the cool glowy. I'm all about the glowy, but the fishbowl could have just glowed. He also had a bazooka. That was, <laughs> it could have just been like imagine just like a glowy blue head. That would have ruled. <laughs> it's some Scooby Doo stuff. <laughs> they could have had like a zoom in on him. He would have been like, rrr, rrr. <laughs> and like. Several Spider-Men coming out of doors. Like Zoink Smiles! <laughs> there should definitely be... There is a Spider-Dog, I feel like, in, in the Into the Spider... Or Into Spider-Verse, the, the big story. Yes. I mean, I know there's the the Jeep. Is it yep. a Jeep? The yeah. Spider-Buggy that's anthropomorphic. Yeah. I mean, that could have been a fun addition. Imagine if there would have been, like, a Shaggy-Scooby sort of combo with spiders. Mm-hmm. And they rode around instead of in the mystery mobile. <laughs> the spider buggy! In the spider buggy. <laughs> like Scoob, it's the Green Goblin! I would have gotten away with it, too, if you if it weren't for you meddling spiders. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got on a weird track here. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I like I liked some of the convos. I like when Gwen was like was like MJ is a model in your mm-hmm. world, and I- she's like, "What happened to me?" And Peter's like, "Oh boy, let's uh, how about the sandwiches ready yet?" Or I feel like Bendis really hit us over the head at the beginning with like how bad Peter was with women. Oh, that's right. He's like, and I can't even get a date or whatever. Yeah, at least oh. that woman talked to me. And he, like, had just, like, ran through her apartment. That is not explained. <laughs> I, I was like, was this supposed to be his apartment? Because he just busts in and doesn't even comment and just goes, oh, I better go. And I'm like, would you do that normally? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so. Also, Peter has incredible luck with women. He, da- I, he dates all these, like, way too good for him, like, gorgeous ladies all of the time. Right? Right? Like, I feel like we're hit over the head with it at the beginning, and then we're like, oh, yeah, remember these two, like, loves in Peter's life that he's actually really great at talking to? Uh, yeah, they're here. <laughs> but they're very young. Yeah. <laughs> boy, poor Peter. What happened to the Gwen of your world? Ugh. I guess... He has to deal with the whole, like, what happened to your Peter and a little bit. That was kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I would have gone to another world and heard that the the world, the me of that world died. I'm, I don't know if it would have affected me in the same way. Yep. I mean, because, it, because it's not you. It is not me. I mean, I can get, like, feeling sad that it's something that, like, your friends, like your counterpart, the counterparts of your friends in that world had to lose you. Right. I think I'd be more sad hearing about a friend of mine in another world, because that at least makes sense. Right. Like, I don't care for myself in that way. We've gotten into therapy territory here. (laughs) And on that note, maybe we should uh, focus on other people here and get to some Twitter questions. Sure. Our first question comes from the question asker, 
at Asimov underscore fangirl, who first says, happy belated birthday, Chris. Oh, yes. As we were recording this, my birthday was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And which characters could have a crossover similar to this that you think could be interesting? Hmm. I'm wondering if, if she means between the ultimate universe and the main universe. Mm-hmm. The ultimate universe doesn't exist, but I did read a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I would say the two Captain Americas, but that kind of happened and it was, it was not great. Yeah. Um, in Spider Women. Yes. There, I mean, I enjoyed that. Um, Jessica Drew met Jesse Drew, her. Her counterpart in Gwen, Spider Gwen's world, which is Earth 65. Right. So it's not 1610. But like, I feel something similar could happen in the ultimate universe. I don't know if Jessica Drew has, I haven't read enough of it to know if there is a Jessica Drew counterpart. There is. She is a clone of Peter, who is, who is uh, a woman. I I think I did know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if I read anything with her in it. She she's mostly just in 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 right. Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I think she's in a, a few other things. She's a really cool costume. I'm all about cool costumes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I think she has a second part to her question. Yes. If you have to team up with one of your alternate reality counterparts, which one would you choose? Huh. I think me and uh, Marvel editor Christy would be a fun team up. I like me and old Chris because he's just me, but old. Yeah, it's great <laughs> stuff. I mean, it's basically Wolverine. Yeah, but like he still likes like baking and gardening. Yeah. Yeah. Soft Wolverine. <laughs> just a soft Wolvie. <laughs> soft Wolverine. All right. Our next question comes from uh, at Daniel Groat or Daniel P. Groat. If one Spider-Man leaves Albuquerque, New Mexico, going 60 miles per hour, and another Spider-Man leaves New York City going 70 miles per hour, and they're both headed to Kansas City and leave at the same time, who gets there first? Show your work. You first, Dan. You first. No, I'm going to do this. Let's keep... Okay. Vamp, we'll keep going to the next question. All right. So our next question comes from at Play Comics Cast. Which spider person should get the next shot at having a game made for them? Oh, of course, Play Comics Cast would ask about a video game. Uh, which spider person should get the next shot at having a game made for them? I don't know. It, pick pick any of the female spider people a spider woman one where she's like kind of more spyish and noirish would probably be cool or when she gets or like that and doing mom stuff mm-hmm. you'd love that game i do but like i feel like from a marketing perspective you probably need like a spider gwen i feel like that's would be much much uh much hotter just due to the um how much more known she is mm-hmm. from the movie um but i would i would definitely love a jessica drew spider game would Christy play it? Maybe. She plays games sometimes. Sometimes. Maybe. I don't know. I always feel like that is like one of one of like the ultimate indulgences, and I can so very rarely let myself indulge in anything. Thought <laughs> <laughs> we were moving away from therapy. Uh, uh, how's your math going? It's going pretty good. Okay. G- give me okay. just a little bit. 
All right. Next question at Brawl 2099 uh, asks, did Sarah Pacelli's ability to draw Miles as an actual child add to the story or was it a neutral? Um, <laughs> I really appreciate this question uh, because I complain about children drawn not like children so often. Um, and I feel like from that standpoint, I can appreciate that things were done well, but I also feel like accurately portraying the age of the characters that you're drawing is kind of like a bare minimum of a good job. (laughs) So like, I don't know if it's like worthy of celebrating, but good job, Sarah. Yeah. Good job, Sarah. All right. How goes the math? Are you giving up? No, uh, the one from Albuquerque will get there soonest. Oh, okay. Sweet. It, it, this is this is of course okay. going by roads. I Chris is going to send twice. you his work. I'm Dan. not. I'm not. Dan. He's he's going to send it. <laughs> <laughs> just to put it in perspective, Albuquerque from Kansas City is just under 800 miles away. Albuquerque or Kansas City to New York is 1,200 miles. So even with the 10 mile per hour difference, it just oh doesn't yeah no it. yeah okay. So you don't even need work to do that. You just have to see the miles and like. Just generally knowing how numbers work. Like, I mean, I just no di- I just divided it to see how many hours it would take. Okay, it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just needed to figure out wh- what mm-hmm. the distances were. All right, next co- uh, question comes from at Midra Jim. Which of the Spider Mans do you want to have a lunch date with? A lunch date. So, are we assuming this is a just romantic the- date or just like? We're having lunch and chill hangs. I think it's just lunch and chill hangs. Okay. I mean, I would... Okay, well, it says Spider-Man, so I guess I'm I'm picking from Miles and Peter. Yes. I don't know if it would be weird to have lunch with a child. He's like... This is when he's, like, very young, too. Like, they've really rapidly aged Miles up, but, like... I think he was, like, 13 or something. Okay, okay. And, And, like, how wealthy is Peter here? Like... Is he? He's not to CEO. Not, this is not Peter. worldwide, Peter. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like, who? Who could buy me the fancier lunch here? I just imagine Christy getting dolled up to go to lunch with Peter Parker, ordering the lobster, and never calling him again. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> who am I going to get the best meal out of? Is my question here, and it's probably not going to be unless Miles like is like showing me around the 1610 because he might know all the best places to eat (gasps) that's true if we're in the 1610 peter peter just wouldn't know he would go to like a starbucks because he knows but what if there's not starbucks in 1610 what if it's like mars bucks Mm. is the 1610 where coca-cola is spelled weird or is that 65 i don't remember oh okay both maybe who knows all right (laughs) wait what was your answer who would you have lunch with oh i don't know um, I would have lunch with Spider-Ham, who is also maybe a Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. All right. At Toterracotta asks, for years, Marvel's official line was that the day 616 and 1610 crossed over would be the day that they were out of ideas. With all of that pressure, was this story worth telling? I mean, it. I don't want to say this feels like they ran out of ideas, but... <laughs> It doesn't feel like a story that breaks the mold. It was just for fun. Yeah. But it's the one where they do collide ultimately is Secret Wars, which we've already read. Oh, yeah. And that I feel like kind of, kind of justified the cost of admission. 
Okay. Yeah, but th- this one's fine. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't do this a ton. They've, they've, they've done things like this a few times. Like, the Galactus from 616 at one point somehow ends up in 1610. Right. I mean, I think I prefer this sort of story over, like, the high stakes. Is the whole world going to end? Because... I mean, I guess sometimes universes do just disappear. That's not, like, out of the realm of possibility there in storytelling. But when, like, the stakes are that high, it's even harder to be invested in them. Sure, sure. Yep, that this is the last Marvel story ever told. I'm just trying to imagine, like, some of, like, the stories with the most inconsequential things I've been invested in. You know, it's, like, weird Downton Abbey stuff where you're like, oh, my goodness, is is she finally going to get some time alone with the – like is this is the the cook girl gonna get some time alone with the 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 little valet or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> you know, are they gonna discover that Lady Mary had an impropriety? Right, like sometimes it's more about the emotional stakes than it is about these huge grand scale issues. Well, I think some things are just more relatable, and some things are just so unfathomable that you're like, sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. When it's something you can relate to, it feels more real to you. When mm-hmm. it's the, when it's larger than life stakes, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you might like sometimes in Marvel, you might as well be like throwing planets at each other as weapons, and I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next question comes from at Joshua Tribble, who asks, "What should have been six one six Miles's secret that made?" Peter gasp at the end. Well, I don't know what the actual secret is. He's a bad guy. Mm. He's older, too. Oh, I don't know. I feel like a fun secret could be something like, I don't know, he, like, ate the world's largest hot dog. What if he's, like, a really successful, like, TikTok person, and Peter just saw him do, like, something cool, like, it was, like, triple bottle flips or something, and he's just like, oh, Oh, I like that, too. Yep. (laughs) I don't know. I like that he, the the thought that he's, (laughs) he's, like, a food-eating champion. (laughs) Food challenge champ, Miles Morales. Miles Morales. (laughs) All right. Uh, next question comes from at Howdy Duda. Who is your absolute favorite multiversal spider person who is not Miles or Peter? Mine is very much Spider Ham, just for the origin. Uh, multiversal spider person? I, I mean, I love Spider Gwen, if for no reason other than her initial, like, introduction issue. That was just so good. This is a tough one. I think my favorite is Spider-Man, who is the Spider-Man who is just made of a bunch of spiders. Okay. <laughs> and he he keeps trying to insinuate that he does not want to eat anybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next question from at Greg Packnet. Who requested this episode? Thank you, Greg. What or who else would you salvage from the Ultimate Universe? Oh. The real, the big things they salvaged from the Ultimate Universe have been Miles and the Maker, Evil Reed Richards. I don't know that that Nick Fury seems pretty cool. They basically made a version of him for the six one six two, and he's Nick Fury's son. Okay. Yeah. So it was salvaged. There you go. He's a little different, but okay. Sure. I haven't read enough other Ultimate stuff. Right, and it 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 almost feels like an artifact in a way that the main stuff isn't hilariously. Maybe their version of Jessica Drew. I do think she's a really cool idea. All right. Okay. I like it. 
Uh, next question from at Big Dad Energy underscore. Wait, actually, who is your kid's Spider-Man? Uh, I know with my boys, it's very different than when I was a kid. Our kid has both action figures. Yeah. He tends to call Peter Spider-Man and, and, and Miles Miles. He does. I uh, think that's because the movie doesn't really call Miles Spider-Man till the end. Right. Um, but when he colors Spider-Man, a lot of times it, it is mile, like Miles' colors. Really? Yeah. He'll use black and red. I haven't seen him color, uh, Spider-Man. Oh, well, I guess I'm just the better parent. Yep. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's just interesting that our, our kids just like, when I was a kid, my Spider-Man was the one from the cartoon. Mm. And it's interesting that our kids have like several, several right options. off the bat. And uh, Big Dad Energy also asks, who is Miles's best villain? Miles does not have a lot of villains that aren't just already Spider-Man villains, unfortunately. There's Ultimatum, who is the 616 evil Miles. There is Prowler, who is his uncle. Okay, so But the that Prowler has been movie. around for a while, mm. and it's just the 1610 one who was his uncle. Mm-hmm. And then I think a 61... I think later he became a 616 Prowler. But the Prowler's been around for, like, decades. So it's hard to, like, think of, like, an exclusively Miles villain. Right. Um, which leads to Big Dad Energy's follow-up question, is the fact that I know neither of you can answer this a problem for Miles. <laughs> well, and we, we chatted about this a little bit ago, about how some of the younger superheroes don't have, like, a definitive villain or villains. And it's almost like they just... There's been so many little villains that have been made throughout the years that they just like kind of run a gamut occasionally. Miss mm-hmm. Marvel had a villain who was kind of like a bird, like a bird person, and that was kind of cool. And then I don't think that's been revisited. Mm-hmm. She also has her own like Cree suit that was like sentient. So they just don't get to stick around. They don't have the staying power. Well, like so, if if I had to say like Christy, who is Spider Man's greatest villain? Craven. You'd say Craven? I don't know. Okay, well still like, <laughs> that's that that's that's that is definitely a possible answer. And like there's there's people you can name that right off the bat. It's like who's Cap's greatest villain, Red Skull? Who's Superman's greatest villain, Lex Luthor? But for like they just haven't really given them a nemesis. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe maybe comics are go are kind of evolving beyond the need for a nemesis, but it makes these antagonists kind of forgettable. Yeah. I, I, you know, like, I think the whole thing with his uncle is something I tend to remember. Mm-hmm. And I think that the kingpin in the movie, like, that is kind of a cool, like, mm-hmm. antagonist. But the kingpin started as a, like a, like a, I think a Spider-Man villain and then a Daredevil villain, maybe. But he's like more of a Daredevil villain. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I don't know if it's a problem. It is just different. And it makes a lot of these stories I tend to remember based on who the bad guy was at the time, you know, like Craven's last hunt. Yeah. Even like some of the newer Spider-Man stories, like the whole, there's a story with him and the with in green goblin and green goblin gets the carnage symbiote, but it's like very easy to remember. Mm-hmm. I, but I like, I don't know if there's a value to a super villain ha- or superhero having like a recognizable rogues gallery versus just um, other action things. figure sales. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I would, I would like one. And I, I, I don't know if it matters. I'm not sure. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, your thoughts on this are beyond mine in complexity. Mine are just like... But even, like, the X-Men have a new villains, and they are recognizable. Like, the whole new era, like, Orcus is their big villain, and you like, yeah, sure, I get it. Like, they, they make a lot of sense as a villain. So I don't know why, like, some of the newer teen superheroes really don't get that. Like, the champions, I don't know if they have, like, a particular rogues gallery. And I think a lot of it is because... This this is maybe why... Well, so Bendis had Miles for a long time. Long enough to develop mm-hmm. these things. But otherwise, it's been kind of all over the place. And you've been focusing on the teens. But even when I just think about Spider-Woman, who's her villains? That's true. It's like kind of Hydra, but like Hydra's a lot of people's villains. Right. Hmm. So I don't think it's exclusively a teen problem. I think it's in... A lesser character. Or le- by le- I don't mean lesser as in like... Worse. I mean, lesser is not focused on. Right. I mean, I think the... So I think in that way, Zach, uh, Big Dad Energy is right that it is a problem for Miles because having that su- that supervillain gallery means that you have the focus and the attention. Yeah. It is wild to me that they don't try to go all in on Miles after like the, like the an incredibly successful marketed to kids movie. Mm-hmm. The heroes that look like the people that write them are the ones that get the supervillains. That's probably fair. It's just, it's, it's, it's something. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do we want to go on to our accolades? Yeah. Accolades. All right. We start out with our best line. So Chris, play that best line on me. Mine comes from Peter when he's trying to give Miles a bunch of advice as he's leaving. Mm -hmm. And he says, and once you beat up the bad guy, leave the crime scene as soon as possible because they'll try to make you clean it up. (laughs) And I find that funny. I like that bit of advice. My best line comes from when um, Peter and Miles and Nick are all in like a limo or some sort of vehicle together. And Nick Fury asks about his 616 counterpart. And he's like... Uh, what's he like? And Peter's only response is, uh, white. And Nick Fury says, sorry to hear that. <laughs> that is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like older. Literally, when the Ultimates premiered the, the comic, Nick Fury was specifically designed after Sam Jackson. I, I feel like they even asked him. This was before the Marvel movies. And then they cast him as Nick Fury in the Marvel movies. In the Ultimates comic, there's even a bit where they're like, who do you all, all think would play us in movies? And he says, well, who else? Sam Jackson, of course. <laughs> I am... They they called their shot. They stepped up to bat and they pointed. And I feel like Sam Jackson is so is like just so game for that sort of thing. So like, of course he would. <laughs> uh, all right. So who do you think the greatest hero of this event was? I'm, mine's going to Miles because they tried to do a bunch of dumb science to figure this out, and, and then him just knowing like New York and just going, oh, I know where that is. Like, that saved the day to figure out where Mysterio was. Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. We've got a daily double here because I, I feel like uh, Miles, like, had the, the least to, like, gain from all of this or, and like, put in the most work. So. Right. Like, Mysterio wasn't really, like, threatening the integrity of the 1610 or anything. Right. Right. So he he just did a lot of good stuff. Um, He did he did the big ol' 
uh, kick jump thing to get uh, Mysterio through like the portal and, and all that. Yeah, good mm-hmm. stuff. Good job, Miles. What about your coolest moment? I liked the spiders meeting. I'm such a <gasps> sad. Daily Double! Again! Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. Yeah, it's just like a fun moment, like especially the way the art depicts it. Like Sarah Pacelli does like a great job with just like the the gestures in there and the sense of movement. And it's like just just a really very well depicted. Like it's not the Spider-Man pointing at each other meme. It is cool dynamic. They're they're dynamic. And that's like. Having read the very basic, but apparently everybody says it's one of the best things ever, how to draw comics the Marvel way, it talks about how, like, characters standing still and, like, is, like, super boring, and they should always be, like, making grand gestures because you're writing a comic book, and they should, of course, just be, like, doing dynamic stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, what about, or I'm going to go ahead and tell you my Crusher Creel award for silly villainy. Um, and, I gave it to Mysterio for having having the fishbowl and not wearing it. I thought that was silly. So my silly villainy is also going to Mysterio. Not for this, though. It's for making his robot make YouTube videos taunting Spider-Man. <laughs> a thing that they only mention but don't show. Yeah, that's pretty silly as well. It's It's like... Sometimes you're like, why are these villains so dumb? And then you're like, well, they they also dress up in costumes and do ridiculous things. So, of course, they would do this. Mm -hmm. All right. Next up is one of my favorite accolades. The Key of C accolade uh, that we give to a moment that we feel would be enhanced by a musical number. And I feel like my pick for this really comes from what we were talking about with wanting more between Peter and Miles. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think they needed, and like I specifically chose the page where Miles was asking for Peter's blessing. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And, you know, I, I thought we just needed a really nice, really nice duet, or maybe even like a, a ballad with some nice interludes of conversation. They just needed more time. Yeah. Uh, I'm going a little more arch with my key of C. I wanted some e- evil monologue duet between Mysterio and his robot. Oh, that's great. I love that. I think they even, he even could have done like, done like a dance and then like the robot does it back. I'm imagining a tap number here. Yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> There'd be lots of cool lights and like smoke because it'd be Mysterio. Yes. Mm. Maybe oh. trying to teach him how to do a little razzle dazzle. Mm-hmm. It'd be great. Oh, the side lighting on that. Just wonderful. Just wonderful. All right. <laughs> so, next up, I will go down with this ship accolade. This is, uh, who do you ship in this does not have to be romantic. <laughs> Just a relationship that you really enjoyed. Uh-huh. And I think the ship that worked best for me in this should have been Miles and Peter, but it wasn't. It was Peter and Aunt May, which I think got the most focus, and that was the ship that I would most go down with. I go down with the May and Gwen ship. Um, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Because they, but I've also read all those comics and they oh. are, Aunt May is basically like her aunt too. And it's very nice. I think that's great. And I like that they kind of stick around having like their connection was Peter. Mm-hmm. But even when he's gone, they like decide to like stick around and support that's each other. That's beautiful. 
That is a really good ship. Yeah, I'm good re- job. I'm good at this. Good pick. Thank you. You're so good at this. <laughs> I'm the best. I'm the best. <laughs> at this. All right. What about your goodest hit? Miles venom blasting the whole web when Peter webs him up, and then they both fall. <laughs> Okay, so that was like a really fun hit. I don't know if it was the goodest no, hit. No, it was though. the goodest hit. My my goodest hit was uh, Miles kicking Mysterio through the portal. That's pretty good. It it was big. We had a whole page dedicated to this kick. Oh boy, we sure did. It wasn't a whole page splash, but it was like a whole page. Just it was just like, to whoa, whoa, kick. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Yeah, it was great. All right, well, readers, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you for joining us. We have yet another Patreon request, which we are recording in a matter of days because the Chris's are going on vacation. (sighs) And we're trying to prep ahead of time. Yeah. Look at us being prepared. We've never taken a vacation this long, as long as we've been married. Yep. I'm excited. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, we are going to be covering Kingdom Come, the DC... Alternate futurey event. It'll with some Alex Ross art. Readers, for you, we'd wait until Kingdom Come, but you aren't going to have to wait that long for us. Uh, <laughs> if you, you want to throw some more money at that, you can uh, do so at uh, our Patreon or our Kofi. Kofi for those one-time donations of three dollars at a time. Patreon for that for that continued support that earns you some great rewards. Check it out in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And if you want to find us on the internet outside of just our podcast webpage, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Chris's Pod. For those long form messages, you can send us emails at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And if you hadn't already figured it out, you can find all of our new episodes and latest content at Comics XF. We also write and edit, well, we write. I edit a bunch of stuff that goes on Comics XF. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are very prolific these days. I swear, mm-hmm. there's like ten articles a day. I made a silly hot sauce banner. Yes, I edited a silly hot sauce <laughs> video. Cat Purcell did some wonderful hot sauce videos. There's just great, great content over there at Comics XF. Um, and also, go ahead if you got the time, and you, you know you don't got the cash, or if you got the cash and the time. Plus, it, you know, it was my birthday after mm-hmm, all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can leave us a review over on iTunes. We love to shout out those five-star reviews here on the show. Um, we read them out on the air. You can say all sorts of fun things to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can just say, like, you can start putting Jabberwocky, and then we'll have to do Jabberwocky. Yeah, I don't know the character limit for an iTunes review, but, you know, go nuts. There's stanzas. They can just do a few. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, readers. And until next time. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. <laughs>